Hi, this is Pat Blythe, and welcome to Love the Music. Today's date is Tuesday, April 19, 2022. These are the Pandemic Interviews, Conversations in a Changing Time. I have the pleasure of sharing the studio with Jeff Jones and Jerry Finn, longtime friends and collaborators. For those of you not familiar with these two gentlemen, uh, here's a little background on each of them, and I'm going to begin with Jeff. Originally from Chicago, the Jones family moved to Canada when Jeff was 13. Shortly after this, he began playing the bass, and within three years, he was performing professionally. Jeff gained fame at a very early age as a member of the gospel rock band Ocean, recording the million-selling hit Put Your Hand in the Hand. Jeff was also the first bassist and primary singer for Rush, forming the band with Alex Lifeson and drummer John Rutsey in 1968. Jeff is a Juno Award winner with a distinguished 50-plus year career that has focused on lead and background vocals, as well as writing, recording, and producing numerous albums and videos. He's released two solo projects, Positive and Air of Desperation, recorded and toured with Lawrence Gowan, Infidels, and Tom Cochran with Red Rider. Jeff also co-wrote and performed on the single, Naked in the Church, for Roar Records, released in 2018. Jeff is one of the founding members of the iconic band known as the Human Jukebox, the Carpet Frogs, who also happen to be Burton Cummings' tour band. As a member of Red Rider, Jeff continues to hit the road year after year, touring throughout North America with Tom Cochran. A very special project, Jeff recently revisited Put Your Hand in the Hand, re-recording and co-producing the hit song to celebrate its 50th anniversary last year. On to Jerry Finn, a St. John's Newfoundland native. Jerry's very first instrument was the ukulele. Growing up, he wanted to be Spider-Man or Ace Frehley from Kiss, and the ukulele happened to be the only stringed instrument available to him. Since the former wasn't going to become a reality, he focused on guitar, very quickly segueing from four strings to six strings. Jerry went on to study both classical and jazz guitar. Well known for his work with the Canadian metal bands Killer Dwarves and Helix, Jerry is celebrating 32 years this year as the lead guitarist for the Killer Dwarves, having joined the band in 1990. His musical career has seen him either tour or share the stage with David Usher, NXS, J.D. Fortune, Holly McNarlin, Iron Maiden, Pantera, Bruce Coburn, and so many others. Jerry is the recipient of multiple gold and platinum albums, a SOCAN number one, and three Juno noms, winning for David Usher's album Morning Orbit in 2002. In addition to being a member of the Carpet Frogs, Jerry has also performed with Tom Cochran and Alex Lifeson. And on a more personal observation, I think Jerry could give Ace Freely a run for his money. Welcome to the Pandemic Interviews, gentlemen. Hi, Pat. Hi. Hi. What I want to start with very quickly is how you two actually met, got to know each other. What's your story? Okay, you go first. I wish yeah. I could remember. It must have been a. It was a really great night. I know that. <laughs> I've known Jeff for, for the first time. I saw Jeff play was when he was playing a weekly thing at Lee's Palace in Toronto. It was a jam night, and I, it was the maybe nineteen eighty six or something. And I was just I was living oh, wow. in Nova Scotia at the time, going to university, but I was vacationing on my spring break or something, and walked in and saw you play that. So we didn't connect that day, but that's my first memory of you. And uh, so, you know, I've known who he is, of course, right, from a distance. 
But we started playing together in the Carver Frogs about 10 years ago. I Is that guess. 10 years now? Something like that. But I knew you before that. Yeah, we, yeah, we had some contact through the Dwarf Sears, Daryl Dwarf, and Russell. We might have run into each other yeah. in, in the after hours and booze laughed. can or something. <laughs> Not that I ever went to those places. No, what? What? No. no. There were other guys that looked like us that went to those places. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Only looked like you. And you guys now have this dual thing going That's been, that's actually quite successful. Well, you know, one of the things that happened, you know, when we were playing the Carpet Frogs gigs, that's a great thing and it's a a breeding ground for just getting out there and playing music whatever the song might be but what what happened was when you you did mention uh the revisiting of put your hand in the hand in in 2020 um when we did that that was the first time actually that uh jerry and i did uh set you know we worked in a studio together Mm -hmm. and it went so well and we just had uh, you know no trouble just understanding each other and and pulling off something that we thought was good and so ever since then we've been going we just got to keep going we just got to keep going that's great yeah and you're very out of the block company you're very successful you've been packing them in well, I mean, it's uh, pretty easy to pack 40 in. But, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but <might not. laughs> Yes and no, not yeah. always, not always. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's been a real uh, boon for us, like, to to play the acoustic gigs. Uh, it, it's just a... a excellent way to to share music and to hear each other and sing together and play together. And so we're just enjoying that and actually even writing couple of songs yep yeah it's great the singing together is really fun of course too you know the carpet frogs is a great band everybody sings so there's an awful lot of activity around all of the vocals at all the time so this is it's really fun for jeff and i to sort of sing just the two of us it's a different you know cross-section of what might be going on there so how much of an impact did the pandemic have on your professional life well for me it was enormous you know i mean i've hardly worked in two years you know, I joke that my, I live a life like a retired elderly woman. <laughs> you know, I'm one step away from macrame. <laughs> you know, I got into gardening. You know, so nature abhors a vacuum, they say, right? So you just sort of find other things. I built a studio in the house. So there's some good things that have come out of it that perhaps wouldn't have otherwise. Uh, I wouldn't, probably wouldn't have gotten up to. And, uh, you know, I really like gardening. You're a gardener now? Well, kind of. Fledgling. <laughs> you know, the weather's getting nice. I'm thinking about tomatoes. <laughs> How does your garden grow? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, so there hasn't been as much playing. I didn't realize how dependent I was on playing live. Because I've done lots of things through the years. I've taught a bit. I've done, you know, made records and done things like that. Jingles. But it seems like when the pandemic struck, I'm almost only making money from playing live music. And so that wasn't an intentional thing. It's just sort of where I'm at right now. So, uh, you know, that stopped. Life know, got but quieter. It, it got quieter, and uh, but, you know, it's starting up again. Jeff? Well, I have kind of uh, an antithesis to that. My, my life, um, at the point when this all hit, like, I was going like a hamster on the wheel. You know, I was playing all the time, flying all over the place, and, which is, I'm very grateful to have had that in my life. But I've had that in my life for the better part of 50 years. So when this happened, 
the pandemic. At first, I was, you know, like everyone else, the uncertainty. Two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, six months, you know, so that you were, you were dealing with that. But I was home with my family. And we all dealt with what we needed to deal with. And it was a very important time. Uh, in in that way, for me, it carried a lot more importance than hopping on a plane and go playing music somewhere. Um, although I, I I love that, but the respite has been rejuvenating. Um, rather than going, okay, I haven't played for a couple of years. A lot of people say to me. Oh God, you must be itching to, you know, uh, not so much. Um, right. Um, the, the, the break, I'm fresh and I'm good to go again. Um, whereas had I continued at the pace that I left off in 2019, by this point, I'd probably be a little bit burnt. Right. So having that period of time without doing the shows actually I, I find it beneficial especially now now i feel so good when i get out and play the few shows that we you know i did about a half a dozen shows last august and september with tom and uh it, it's uh it was great but it wasn't a lot but it was great and then we thought that was the sign of something coming back and it wasn't but now I feel like the same. There's signs of life, and that will be great. But I I didn't mind the the two year absence from playing. Of course, um, my pocketbook minded. But um, hey, that's only money. A lot of musicians I've spoken to that are road warriors like yourself and you as well, both of you have found it's been actually quite, it was a little frustrating at first. It's because you're looking to, but as it quieted down, it was a reconnection with families. Definitely, yeah. And, yeah. and, and Mother Earth. There's a lot of gardeners that have sprung up <laughs> over the last two years. Now, yeah, I know you yeah. sold your house and moved into a condo, so that might be a little different for you. Except you are do some gardening at the farm. I'm, I'm pointing oh, to I'm Jeff. Oh, I'm doing some. But, I'm doing yeah. some. I, I'm doing some gardening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gardening yeah. is good. Tomatoes are great. The corn is growing. <laughs> How's your basil? <laughs> basil. So, did the pandemic and and the subsequent lockdowns any alter any of your tactics or direction on how you keep yourself relevant? Now, Jeff, I know you're not on Facebook a lot. You've you you're not um, a social media kind of guy. I don't know about you, Jer uh, Jerry, yeah. if you are at all, or how did you navigate around the limitations? Of well, staying relevant. I haven't been relevant for a long time, <laughs> so that wasn't a real big concern. Um, uh, sure you have. Um, Come on now. Yeah, I don't know. It's Things just seemed to pause. You know, yeah. I don't feel like anything got lost. I mean, it's not like anybody else was making headway that, and you weren't. Everybody kind of got stuck in the same place, and now we're all lifting off again together. So no ground was lost. You know, I'm a bit older, <laughs> but uh, not too much. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's uh, social media. You know, I don't, th I don't think I spent any more time on it than previously. 
I have a bit of a presence there, but it's 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 not a real deliberate, marketable kind of um, you know source of income or anything like yeah. to that stage. You know, it's just kind of fun and share pictures of dogs and things. <laughs> pictures of dogs and cats got very popular over freely. the last two years. Right, yeah, right. dogs and Ace Freely. Yeah, puppies and Ace Freely. Yeah, it sounds like everybody just kind of hunkered down and stayed home and just, yeah, what I you know, hung out with yeah, family yeah, and that sort of um, thing. So, yeah, yeah. How did you manage your time? You've all of a sudden got more time on your hands. You're used to doing certain things, getting up, packing. Well, the, but now you're doing just, different things, and and you're having. Uh, I spent a lot of time sitting um, in the country, looking at the stream. Because uh, I'm fortunate enough to have a, a country home as well as the city, and I spent uh, six months of each of the last two years out there. And um, walking in the woods, um, I, for a lot of the time, I didn't realize there was a pandemic because I w didn't see anyone. I didn't wear a mask because I'm walking with a dog in the woods. So it was really refreshing and, and uh regenerative for me in, in times but then sometimes you wake up and I'm sitting at this beautiful property and I'm looking out over the pond and I'm thinking am I done <laughs> right yeah, yeah you're not the some days yeah. Yeah. some days you wake up and you question. think that yeah and then the next day you wake up and you think I'm not done I just have to be patient if I just wait and don't let myself become a a drug addicted alcoholic, then I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. Oh, oh, that we, one could, could be a little bit late now, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but people like to see people perform that are on the edge of insanity. <laughs> it, it's a bit of a turn on in in the rock and roll industry. I don't. I I, I think most musicians are on the edge of insanity. Stay sane inside insanity? Isn't yeah, that I one I don't term? think so, but I do feel like that about the people around me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're not the yeah. everybody yeah. around yeah. you. Yeah. That's, that's how it occurs Those to me. guys, yeah. they, they, they did some crazy stuff, <laughs> didn't they, Jerry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, what? One, one of the things that I noticed about it, of course, is that I love, I'm very happy at home. and got a great scenario there, but I love to get away from home and get on the road and play. I love to, like, you know, buy beer in an airport and go play music in Yellowknife or something. You know, my friend Sean Fitzsimons that, that we work with, He, we, we have a couple of gigs coming up in the, the summer that we'll do together, um, one of which is in Jerry's hometown mm -hmm. uh, of St. John. St. John's. St. John's, yeah. Newfoundland. Yeah, St. John oh, is in New Brunswick. Oh, I know I've been corrected oh, on that one a they're lot They're not going to let you in now, oh, Jeff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Canceled. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but I but call uh, Sean's thing, and, and he is one of uh, the, the group of people that we work with quite a bit, he called me to say, hey, do you remember that restaurant we went to about three years ago when we were down there? we got to find the name of that because all I'm thinking is, of course, I'm going to love to play the show. But the night before, I think we can go to a nice dinner. We did that last time. Mm. Yes. And we had a great time. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. and that is as much of a a, a part of, of going out as anything is that chance 
on the the pre-show night to get together with the boys and have a great meal. Yeah. That's really fun, right? And like what I was going to say was uh, I love to get away. But then after being away for a while, I love to come home. But so that so I'm usually happy to be in either one of those places because I get to do both. But but being home for two years, you know, it was kind of like, oh, my God, like I love being home. But this is a long stretch of not uh, buying $15 Heineken's at an airport. Yeah. And uh, guitars are getting lonely. Yeah. Oh, they got played. (laughs) But, you know, they didn't get scuffed up or left anywhere, (laughs) which tends to happen sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. During the isolation over the last 24 months, isolated off and on, nobody's going anywhere, pretty much, except for little spurts. Do you think this encouraged more collaboration among artists who don't normally collaborate on pieces? Mm-hmm, sure. Reaching yeah. out to each other? Yeah, well, I built a bit of a studio in my house just for that purpose, you know, so I could play a solo on someone's record or whatever and use it to, to, as a developmental tool around songwriting. But I see a lot of people doing that, recording you know, uh, uh, over, you know, the internet uh, and collaborating that way. Yeah. More of it than I think was going on before, you know. Yeah. More yeah. collaboration was going it, on before? No, there's more now. There has there's been more, more now. through the yeah. Through, yeah, yeah. You know, I think so. Yeah, I think a lot yeah. more people did what Jerry did oh, and yeah. got, got some equipment that enabled them to be able to do uh, internet exchanges of music. Uh, yeah, I did it, and I'm definitely not the only one. I feel like I was the last one, <laughs> actually. <laughs> it's, it's, everybody seems to be up to it. Now, you worked on the um, re-recording of uh, Put Your Hand in the Hand during the pandemic as no. well? No. No. The, okay. The what, final what mix, was that? The final mix occurred March 9th, 2020. Wow. So Talk about on the edge. We just finished that, and we're like, okay, that sounds great. Let's get back up there and do some more. <laughs> this is the studio outside of in Almont, outside of Ottawa, and uh, yeah. Oh. And then it stopped. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus, then it's you like, got that done in the nick of time. Okay. Just in the wow. nick of time. Wow. Live performance is a key to uh, the development of new artists, but also for the continuing develop of of artists who've been out there for a while. With so many live music venues closing, what opportunities do you think younger musicians will have to hone their craft and gain stage experience? I think it depends on what town or city you live in. So, you know, the, uh, clubs and live music venues are always opening and closing. I don't think there's anything new, really. I mean, there, I think business has been tough, of course, the last couple of years. But things that it's a cyclical thing. You know, if a club stays open for five years, it's incredible under any circumstances, really. There's, there are these exceptions. There's a horseshoe. But for every horseshoe, there's 100 clubs that don't last 10 years. So that that cycles around, I don't think that that's changed. Um, I think if you live in a... Like, I grew up in a smaller town, so it was easy for me to get a lot of experience because I was able to, you know, sort of get to the upper levels of what a bar band was at when I was 16. You know, I think in a city like Toronto, it's probably more competitive... Um, you know, but I don't know. I, I don't know. That's just. My but it, it is a, it, it is available. It will always be available for people to go and and play somewhere. I just think that it is less 
it, it was decreasing as time went on anyway. But uh, like like the number of venues and and the way that uh, it works as far as uh, compensation, you know, like there was that big area of time and, and like anyone that goes to play in Los Angeles that's not a star, you pay. You you yeah. buy you buy the room. It cost you. You've got to be willing to spend what it costs to buy a room. Really? Yeah. The pay to play. They call it. And um, you know, and of course in, in Nashville, there's a, a little spot on every corner, and people are playing, but they're not actually making. There's tip jars in all those places. Yeah, they're not making actual money, but they are getting the chance to perform, and and there are the There is the opportunity to show your wares and and people pass by and go whoa there's somebody good playing at such and such right so there there are those opportunities but there isn't that much money involved but welcome to the music business if you wanted money you would have gotten a real job (laughs) yeah true Uh, no question our first song diamond light is from jeff jones solo album positive released in 2001 Although it sounds like a love song, Diamond Light is actually about a prostitute. Written by guitarist Ken Greer, Diamond Light is performed by both Greer and Jones.
beginning of the past year or the two years was a career killer for a lot of musicians? Or did it make people even more determined? Probably called it a bit, I think. If you were already on the edge or am I in the right business? I think this would have probably shaken yeah. some people yeah, out. It, it's like it's shaking the fruit from the tree. Like yeah. some some um, do, you know, I, I'm sure we're like, oh, okay, I was already kind of, and so kind of tailing off. So they would probably think, well, maybe I'm not going to pursue it so hard. But for a lot of people, I think it's steeled them up to say, okay, now when I come back out, I'm going to really go for it because I had to, that's how I'm feeling anyway, because yeah. I, I had to not be out there. So when a chance comes, I'm going to kick the door open. I think a lot of businesses had a hard time, but musicians are so used to hard times that when this happened, we're like, well, so <laughs> it's just difficult to get them. That's been, yeah. I'm it's, so used to this. Yeah. If you have a coffee shop, it might be like, this is the worst time to be in the coffee shop business. But for musicians, you know, if you're committed to, I mean, we're too far into it now to, I am certainly to do anything else. I think I would speak for Jeff also, but, but uh, um, he's, I can't even see where he's gone. I can't speak, I can't speak to what he's saying, but I was too stupid to do anything different. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, I think, uh, you know, you get used to adapting to, you know, the difficult times. I mean, I don't know if they're difficult, they're just, they are what they are, and I think that you you bring the difficult part to it, should you choose to, you know. Uh. That's a good segue into one of my questions, which is, do you think musicians are, because they're cre normally creative people, obviously, not just musicians, but people in the arts and entertainment, do you think they are more adaptable and more flexible to address something like that to for change? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's what the, anyone that's in the arts community, whether that's acting, singing, dancing painting it's always been fraught with uncertainty and horror and that's <laughs> <laughs> true yeah I, right? I'm with him and so, excitement so, and, and excitement okay. and great oh, and, yeah. and oh, wonderful surprises yeah. you know that make you go I mean that's probably what kept me in the game is the first thing that I ever did sold three million units so uh, it's sort of like okay I think I can keep doing this in case, uh, you know, it's like the one-armed bandit. I'll, well, I'll I clicked once, I can do it again. <laughs> so do you think the past two years have given artists a chance to pause and reflect and maybe take a different approach in their music, maybe a new direction, take more risks? Oh, uh, it didn't for me. I mean, not really. Um, I'm not sure how to answer that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to answer the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard I one. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't see it as being taking more risks. It's always been a risk. True. Um, and and uh, but I'm not as afeard. Uh, I feel like maybe I, uh, you know, doing more of my own music and really it's been really important to me and don't get all freaky with me but the, the doing the duo thing with jerry recently has really been a boon in my life because we do something it is different 
Yeah, it's yeah, new. It's that is, new that is a new, d- a bit new. of a different direction. That is yeah. new. Yeah, the yeah. Jeff Jones trio was also new for you prior, just yeah. prior to yeah, COVID, and, we, and so. that was just yeah. starting to yeah. to do something when everything went down. As as you were there the last night. Yes. Uh, you closed Cherry Cola's uh, pretty much. That's uh, <laughs> oh, not the first place I closed, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we won't go down that path. Yeah. Yeah. So musicians are trying different things. Yeah. Perhaps, and I think maybe yeah. the collabor- some of the collaboration that you, although you two have known each other for a long time, but other musicians who um, haven't necessarily performed together or don't really know each other are mm-hmm. starting to do more work together sure, as well. Sure, but I, I don't know that that wouldn't happen anyway. You know, because I, I've I sort of moved through projects. Some are sustained, like the dwarfs, for decades, and some are come and go. And I think that would have happened. That that would still continue. I think, but uh, but maybe the long distance recording collaboration thing. There's more of that. You know, since the pandemic. Right. Yeah. Do you think the pandemic has been uh, good fertile creative time? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. For me. Yeah. I've written more and. and you know, practice more. You know, I have lots of time to practice. Lots and, and lots of practice. And I love to practice. I love to play guitar. I play it for hours every day. And uh, it's hard to do that when you're traveling and if you're in a hotel and you're tired. You know, so it is, uh, there has been some, unless, unless some upside. Unless you're Tim Bovacanti and you take your guitar into your hotel room every time. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you check in the hotel and some guys are like, Oh no, no! Don't take my guitar to the gig. I'm taking it to my room. Right. I'm playing that puppy. Yeah, I'm not trained. To I'm do not that. that guy. If I get to a hotel, I'm either having a good time or I'm having a nap. <laughs> <laughs> they tend, okay. they alternate. Okay. Yeah. So now, have either of you uh, played uh, in front of any large audiences just recently, at all? Other than the block company, because I know you, That's Jeff, not a large you have. Audience. I know, Jeff, you have tours coming up with Cochrane. You've got tours coming up as well. Yeah, I just did a, yeah. a, a, a what's called a Monsters of Rock cruise, which okay. is a uh, oh wow a cruise out of Miami that went to Mexico and the Bahamas. And this this is something that this this promoter runs every year, and he he uh, you know takes. Uh, a f- huge cruise ship with a 5,000 capacity or something. It's like a festival, basically, on the water. Right. Yeah, so we just did that with the dwarfs. Yeah. And uh, so that was, the f- you know, it, it was canceled for a couple of years, I think, or one year. And we've done, I think this is our sixth or seventh out of the last 10 years that they've run this. The fun thing about it was the um, camaraderie, uh, you know, between the bands. So there are, I think, 30 bands. So these are all sort of 80s hard rock bands. And Alice Cooper was sort of the, the headliner. But then there's a winger over there. And it's all kinds of great bands. And uh, it's great to be in front of an audience. But like, as Jeff knows, if you play a festival, say a three-day festival, there might be four bands. You'll see each other backstage. It's great to see each other. And then you're off. But this is 30 bands for five days at sea together. So uh, so uh, it was really great to be around other musicians. I've know? never been to sea, Billy. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. How did you find the audiences, though? Oh, they're great. I mean, that that audience, you know, they buy tickets for that because they like that kind of music. So they're already on side, you know. Was it sold out? Yeah, every year. Wow. Oh, yeah, there's a waiting list. Yeah, and, that... you know, these, these people were heavy metal fans in the 80s, and now they're dentists. But so you see these guys with, like, their denim vests with all the band's patches on them and their wives might be wearing a shirt from the era that doesn't quite fit anymore <laughs> but they don't care like there's absolutely no pretense with this audience you know yep. 
So uh, it's a really fun crowd to play in front of. You, you know, nobody's, you, nobody's trying to prove anything. It's more of just a celebration of that era. It's a bit of a nostalgia machine, really, but, but you know, it's wonderful. So, yes, I did get to do that, and it was, it was great. I'm just curious if, if uh, coming out of COVID, if it's a, that's going to actually reflect on ticket sales and also how comfortable you guys are playing in front of large crowds. Well, we'll again, see. Again, going I mean, back out again. The only opportunity I had for um, large crowds was uh, August and September 21. Right. Um, we did some shows in Western Canada and in Ottawa. And... It was like old times. Um, it was, they were very happy to see us, and we were happy to see them. And you don't feel um, – we, we didn't feel concerned. You don't you, – there's a barrier. The, the thing that was different really for me, and will, will probably continue to be until this settles down more, is that you're not having backstage – you're not having yeah. Yeah, a bunch of greets. guests come yeah. back and yeah. doing a meet and greet yeah. and, right. and hugging babies and stuff. Yeah. That ain't happening. It's a relief, really, in some ways. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it will but, go back. Yeah. But yeah. while it's not, I'm okay to do the show, go to my room. I'm okay with that. Yeah, go to your room, have a beer, chill out, yeah. relax. Yeah. Or go to Jerry's room, have a beer. Right. And then we'll go to Jeff's room and have a beer. Jeff, wreck that. And we'll and go down to the local then, pub, have yeah. a few beers. You know. We'll find somebody's room that hasn't been wrecked yet. And then Burton calls. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <And> then, uh, <laughs> yeah, just, you know, hypothetically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen, I suppose. Why not? Yeah. Anything's possible these days, as we're finding out. I'm going to read this next question because if I don't, I'm not going to get it right. Okay. The pandemic shocked the world in an awareness of the threat posed by disasters, disasters in general, particularly given the world's co- and interdependencies. Many in the arts and entertainment community rose to the occasion, but many did not, both in terms of helping each other or simply keeping one's own sanity. How can we do better at supporting each other? I know it's a bit of a thinker. Uh Yeah. Supporting each other, like artist to artist, you mean? Reaching out, talking, you know, connecting, remaining connected. You know, how can we there? And you can go so far as, you know, Unison was out there quite a bit trying to help a lot of musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not sure about the Musicians Union, um, but I'm just wondering as a community, you know, the pandemic seems to have been very divisive in some instances. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, my thought, my question is, how can we better support each other during something like this? Boy, I wouldn't even know how to begin. I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like I, I didn't feel any lack of support through the event because I'm sort That's of surrounded good. by uh, friends and family that are consistent regardless of what's happening outside of our t- tighter circle, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Jeff and I spoke, you know, just when there was nothing going on, Jeff would call just to chat, you know? So... Because we're friends, really. I mean, that's what that's what makes creating music together so special is because there's a there's a there's a connection, you know, a personal connection. And uh, I didn't. I feel very fortunate that I didn't feel like I lost any of that, you know. Um, yeah, I think for some people it was all, uh, or, or primarily through social media and and doing 
uh, right. things out there and and presenting mm -hmm. to a lot of people. Uh, check out this song, you know. Or, sure. Or you know, I learned a really uh, you know articulate passage. Check it out, and that that was cool and stuff. But what I appreciated a lot during the time was like sometimes there would be like a period of time where you wouldn't hear anything from anyone, but then one day the phone rings and it's Jerry Finn or it's Jamie Vernon or someone going, hey, I'm just calling to say, what's up, dude? Yeah, yeah. Um, I got nothing. What do you got? <laughs> I get right? it. That's and, exactly. Yeah. And that's what it, yeah. w what it was like. And so I really felt my community there because all of us did kind of um, – keep in touch we checked in on each other we yeah, did we yeah. always check it was we, never a plan it just kind of happened yeah that's that. really good to know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. A, a, i know a lot of people out there felt very disconnected oh for sure yeah um and kind of hold up mm -hmm. so it's nice to hear that's that where i'm gonna be next year hold up or <laughs> disconnected <laughs> hold unplugging up. yourself yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's been a lot of hue and cry about you know the lack of live music around the world. It's mm -hmm. not just it's not just a local thing. So, do you think absence has indeed made the heart grow fonder and people um, maybe have uh, more respect and uh, admiration for musicians and artists in general for what they have to <clears throat> offer? The bit of playing I've done since the things have started to kind of clear up, like the cruise that I mentioned. Or even playing, you know, this weekend with Jeff and myself in a smaller venue. People seem really grateful to be out. But I don't know that it's an appreciation for the arts that's new. I think people are just as happy to go to a movie, <laughs> you know, like to sit in a movie theater and go, wow, I miss this. Like, people are just, I think, happy to be able to go out and do anything, including see live music. You know, I don't know that there's a profound new respect for art. But I think that people are happy to get out of the house. You know. Well, it, it's kind of like the scenario of all of a sudden there's no music, you know, and have, I'm just wondering if people have realized the contribution that people in the arts, and especially music, mm. offer, um, and if they're more appreciative of it now, right? Yeah. more respectful of it now. Maybe. You know, I, also, I, I was going to say that I think that one of the things that I saw is the... It's not necessarily the music that you go to see that's live, but it's the social interaction. The crowd, right, is, is like a thing. So that in interaction, I think people really miss that, seeing their pals at a concert, that sort of thing, you know. Um, so I, 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 can, I, I recognize that. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's there. I, I, I see it, and, but, I, you know, I've only had this little taste um, but I think going forward, it's going to be really interesting because there's a lot of a lot of the shows that are scheduled for the spring and summer are um, people are very excited and they'll probably sell very well. The other side of that coin is everybody and their dog is doing a show or a tour yep. and some of the prices are going to be higher because of what's happened in the past. Promoters and venues are trying to make up for lost revenue. There are more, there, there are COVID protocols in place that cost people more in order to put on shows. And this is the case with like uh, stage productions and 
the the ballet and rock concerts everyone is is having that my question i'm giving a question back pat yes jeff is, <laughs> is will will there be enough audiences to sustain all of this you know what i mean everybody yes they're eager and they want to see their favorite artist but then well three of my favorite artists are playing in my town this week how many tickets can i purchase that's and that's and We're that's a question see. yeah it's a question i've wondered myself is what is it going to look like over the next year or two because everybody's been home and isolated yeah. Musicians included. Now all of a sudden everybody, because gigs have been put out, put out, put out, put out, put out. Now you've got everybody sort of coming down in 20, especially in 2023, 2024. Mm. How many can you really go to? What What is, what is it going to look like in the next two years? Yeah. It, it might be something we, we can't predict, a wave of something. But like anything, it'll it'll correct itself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I think uh, it'll first, be a blip, I think. Out, out of the box. Everybody's going to try to go to anything they can uh, and see all their favorite bands. They're, then they're going to realize, oh, crap, now my, I'm late on my hydro bill. Um, and then there's going to be, like you said, like a market a correction. You know what I mean? Yeah. Correction. yeah. Then there'll be a little bit less. And then it'll, it'll find its level, like, like, take a couple of years i would imagine probably yeah well i mean genesis was here last year i was desperate to go and see them Mm -hmm. until i found out that a decent ticket was over a thousand dollars and i went that in my snack bracket you should get one to take home with you for that much money i should get one of the music yes i want a private concert in my back deck for that yeah 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 Yeah. you know i know okay okay we're coming then <laughs> yeah, we we'll work for cookies, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so I'm wondering. I mean, you mentioned ticket prices going up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wages aren't going so up. So we'll see. I mean, no, no. So I'm no. just wondering how it's going to look like over the next couple of years. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to project. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What lessons have you learned, if any, during the pandemic? Um. Hmm. I uh, have one very important lesson. It's better to stay home every night. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> yeah. It, it, did, it did get to the point, and I'm not even sure that I'm clear of it, where I would sort of lament taking off my pajamas. And I would be like, I'll see you soon in a couple of hours, right? You know, you kind of get really, really, you know. I'm like, people go out after dark, like, you know, kind yeah, of get yeah, in that yeah, cycle. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, I, I feel really good about what I do for a living, and uh, I feel unshaken by any of this. So it's, you know, there's not a lesson, but... You some... call that a living? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you do it for long enough, it's got to call it something. <laughs> uh, yeah. No lessons. You know, I'm in the right... Yeah. A friend of mine who's a great music teacher, like if he has students that say, should I do this or should I not? You know, the music, music as a career. And his response is, and we've all heard this is if you, if you can do something else, then do that, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, so, but, uh, you know, I, uh, well, I like, I'm doing what I, I'm here to do. And that's, that's what you, you stayed true to what it is that you know how to do and, yeah. and are good at. And that's what it's really about. Um, I listened to uh, someone that I admire, uh, Brian Cranston, the actor. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I listened to him 
talk about in an interview uh, mentoring some young actors and dancers. And you know what he told his people? What? He said, you know how uh, everybody tells you if you play, you know, if you're in the arts, well, you better have something to fall back on and you better get the rest of your education and you better have a plan B. And he said, that's what you don't want. Because if you have plan B, if it gets a little rough, you're shifting over to plan B. If you want to be a success at something, that's plan A and plan B and plan C. Mm -hmm. You just stay with that. You got to go all in. And when you see the people that are wildly successful, they have failed a lot. And they just keep on coming back. And then people go, oh, my God, overnight they became so (laughs) successful. Right? And and, and he's won. And that's why he, he can speak to that. Uh, so eloquently is because he actually achieved success that very way. Yeah. He didn't go get another job. Yeah, actually brings to mind Julian Taylor. Mm-hmm. He's been playing Stagger Crossings, et cetera, since he was 18. And he they, they were together, what, about 10 years, I think, until they finally broke up. And then he went solo, and then he went with, um, he had his own little um, production company. Then he's got you know Julian Taylor Band, and he has been pushing it for mm-hmm. well over twenty years. And then the Ridge hits, and it was released early, a little bit early because of the songs. I guess the people that were behind him said, you know, the songs. There's some resonance to the songs. People might. It went ballistic mm, worldwide. Oh, great! It was like. An overnight sensation that took over 20 years, right? So another, you know, local musician. And that's his heart and soul is is, uh, writing and playing. He kept at it. Oh, my God. I I love that guy, by the way. Uh, But that's what he did. And it it was rough for uh, big parts of that time. And he very easily could have gone, well, I could could probably work in the guitar apartment at Long and McQuaid. But he did not. He's a storyteller. He's a musician, and I think I think a that's lot. That's a great you know. story. I would imagine that if you look at any successful musician, that's kind of the story. You know, very few of them make it big right out of the box. Yeah. 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 And if they do, they get all messed up in the head. Yeah, I'm so glad that didn't happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, I've got I to develop so all very this. Glad that I've got didn't all this character now. That I, I would never <gasps> have had otherwise. Is Ace Freely called yet? Come on now. Well, see, to go back to that for a second, <laughs> the Ace Freely Spider Man thing. I, I I would like to think that I could have been Spider Man also. I just okay. haven't I just haven't tried to be Spider Man. Yeah. That's Plan A and Plan A A. <laughs> plan A. Spider Man. Ace, if you're listening, uh, Spider Man. Yeah. yeah. From Jeff Jones' second solo album, Air of Desperation, comes this timeless song, Money, featuring the vocals of Michael Sadler from Saga. Money was written, performed, and produced by Jones. Originally released in 2007, fast forward to 2022, and the times have not changed. It's still all about money. I don't know 
Describe your worst performance. I mean, there's been all kinds of funny mishaps falling through stages. I walked off a stage one time. I can't believe I walked. We were taking the stage. I was with the dwarfs, and we were somewhere in Indiana or something. I can't remember where we were. And it was a proper stage. It was, you know, I don't know, five feet high. And the intro tape was going. It was in sort of like a racetrack scenario. And I was walking, and I walked through a curtain, and it was black, and there was no railing. And I walked off the stage, and I fell into the pit where they had all their mic stands. And the mic stands just happened to be arranged that I didn't impale myself on any of them. And, it, like, they were sort of arranged, like, you could see, like, uh, like a body, like an outline of a right, body, right. like, from a crime scene. I fell right into that position. And uh, that was shocking. And then walked up on stage. I thought, have I broken anything? And Russ was like, are you okay? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And we started to play. That was shocking. Anyway, stuff like that happens. That's not a bad performance, but that's certainly a mishap. Well, some some people get on stage and they freeze or they, they you know, something wasn't too, whatever you classify as it may not have been a bad performance, but what you thought was a bad performance. For me and for most professional musicians that I know, they really take so much pride in not giving a bad performance that... Even if it doesn't go well, you're trying your goddamnedest, right? There's, it, it's not like, I don't know, I've never really looked at a, a performance and gone, well, just one. Do you want to hear about it? Sure. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when you think of how many shows we've done or, or whatever, I mean, is it... Is it bad? How bad did the audience know? Uh, how bad was it? I mean, I had a, a mishap like that on a Pat Benatar tour, yeah. opening for Pat Benatar, where I fell off a, oh. a riser into what looked like a, a caterpillar that covered her <laughs> gear behind the Red Rider gear. Uh. And... Um, I fell off the drum riser off the back into this mesh thing, yeah. taking Tom and Kenny's rigs with me <laughs> as I went, and, and a, a high watt head hit me here, and blood come down. <laughs> but, <laughs> but amazingly, I was on my back, and I wasn't hurt, so I just jumped up and continued playing. You were actually playing when that happened? Well, yeah, it was a show. It was mid-song Whoa. or something. Oh, I yeah, thought maybe yeah. you had, I, Okay. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We're playing. You were... Oh, wow. And uh, there were thousands of people in attendance, but I tried to soldier it. Well, and I, and I did. I just got up and I started playing, and then Tom's looking at me, dude, dude, you're bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, oh, towel, okay, next song. Towel it. Got any ice? Yeah, put a little ice on there. Okay. The show must go on. Full yeah, contact rock, yeah. we call that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but the real, we did have one um, cumulative, pretty lame performance in Cincinnati mm -hmm. in the early 80s. And um, I apologize to the people of Cincinnati for this um, because they were very supportive. Of, things were going really well for us early on right. in Ohio. And so it's pretty good. But then we had a, a, a few weeks off, uh, and we reconvened for a show in Cincinnati, and, and uh, I forget who we were opening for, um, but uh, 
the night before, we went a little bit far <laughs> as far as uh, after dinner cocktails. And everyone was pretty hungover. And I guess we might, we might not have sounded that great. <laughs> and our manager at the time was Bruce Allen. Oh, okay. Yep. So he could express himself is what you're saying. He, he had no trouble coming into the dressing room after and letting us know that it actually wasn't a good show. He was not impressed, I take it. I think his exact <laughs> words were, if I had wanted Peter, Paul, and Mary, I'd have fucking hired him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> we'll flip this around and say, what's your m most memorable performance? Last night. <laughs> just because we just did it. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah we had a great a, performance last night. We had a great... We, 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 we were on fire. We had the, the what is now the rare opportunity of playing two nights in a row. I mean, I didn't know what to do with myself yesterday. <laughs> do I nap? Do I go to the gym? What do I do? It's a second night in a row. Do I, how do I stay awake even <laughs> for it? And, uh, you know, to do two nights in a row, of course, you get to kind of immediately correct anything that might have been questionable the previous night because everything's really fresh in it's your mind. Fresh. And uh, so it was a great show last night. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. really fun. That was one, one of my favorite times playing music right there. Yeah, it was great. Jeff sang beautifully. And I thought that I was not going to be able to sing. Like yeah, you, you I was know, a bit tired. You rise to the occasion. It's I funny, was a bit hey? tired. And so, but then you wor work harder and, and it just started to happen. Once, once the red light goes on, it happens. Maybe one day we can do three in a row. <laughs> you can do three in a row. Wow! When, well, it when seems you're in, outrageous, isn't it? When you're in the pocket and it just all connects, you just want to go. Oh yeah, it just must be a beautiful it. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, you have to be prepared, right? Which we were, and we put our time in to make sure we knew what we were doing. But when you get going and the adrenaline kicks in and things start to sound and people react, that's a part of it too, right? It's a conversation with the audience, really, and mm -hmm. they're giving as much to you as you're giving to them in some mm -hmm. cases. And uh, you get, you know, liftoff. It's a, it's a joyful thing. I really have to get out and see the two of you mm -hmm. perform together. Yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. hearing so many good things well, about it. Is it. Is the snow cleared off your deck yet? Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, it is. <laughs> oh, do, do I detect a back deck performance there we go. this summer? Yeah, right. You guys would be so busy on the road, you won't have time. Don't be so sure. Streaming. I do want to ask you about streaming. What are your thoughts on streaming? Well, the streaming where you don't get paid, I think, is, is ridiculous. You know, I think it's... Uh, David Crosby's really outspoken about this. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. He's really mm -hmm. funny. Mm -hmm. He's kind of like a, just a you know, old man shouts at cloud kind of a dude, right? But, um, yeah, this you know, Spotify business model seems to be really uh, upside down. There are people making a fortune except for the artists off of this yeah it's exactly as um the music business and arts business in general it's always um what's the word i'm looking for um co-opted mm -hmm. by those that have business savvy in a way that makes them funnel money and it's never the artist that is actually the beneficiary of this. It's always to the benefit of someone mm -hmm. else, but it's always the artist that does. That's what people are 
taking from Spotify. They're not um, uh, getting the subscription uh, because they love the business model. They don't know what the business model is. Mm -hmm. They just know yeah. that they want to have a, access to a library of tunes like that. And um, it's been arranged in a way that, that the cow is out of the barn. And, and it used to be that the record companies held all the sway. And um, they missed it with Napster. Mm -hmm. And then it, that, it's been over yeah. ever since. That's been over. And now this new mm -hmm. streaming thing is just like, yeah, that's a way for a big uh, conglomerate to make a whole bunch of money and for artists to put their stuff up and, and to be able to, you know, it's great that everyone and their dog gets to put music up there. Um, but your stuff gets lost. There's so much stuff yeah, up there. there's a lot of stuff. The, there, there's no one saying, well, uh, there's no, you know, cheesy A&R guy that actually makes a, a decision, you know, based on, I think this might be good. There's no one making that. They're just saying, you want to put it up there, you put it up yeah. there. We can make the money on it. And so, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not a fan. Um it just seems to have segued from uh, Spotify, et cetera, et al, mm -hmm. to the, now it's video from the Alma Combo, from the theaters in Belleville, in Oshawa, Owen Sound, the Horseshoe is getting involved, uh, the Danforth was doing, so they're putting on shows for streaming, and the question... But don't they, don't they uh, charge? Oh, you're talking about the live streaming concerts. Yeah, okay. So live streaming, well, yeah, not, not Spotify. It's both yeah. because, well, no, it is. It's it's Spotify and their ilk, but there's also <clears throat> because of of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Sure. It's now gone into. Um, the artists started on Facebook. Yeah. You know, they were doing their thing out of the, you know, behind the kitchen table in the living room or whatever. Facebook cut that down. But it's now seems that some of the smaller, like Embrace, mm -hmm. even Live Nation are now starting to get into it. The Horseshoe is getting into it, collective concerts, but having concerts. And the question has become now, who owns that show? Right. Who owns the content? Once, you know, so, once you've created it. Yep. Like, don't do, do the people that that stream that to be able to view it? They pay a fee for that. They do, but there's a there's an issue there because if I pay ten 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 dollars for a ticket to see that, you know, I've got the Jeff and Jerry show. You're mm -hmm. streaming. I buy a ticket. I could have ten people sitting on my couch. No, sure. They didn't buy a ticket. Yeah, I I think the you thing know, so so they've gone to in person. So you can you can actually go to watch the streams now. But you can also buy a ticket to watch on your couch at home. I was just curious as to what you thought of all that, and do you think it's really because you you both mentioned playing live and having the audience right there versus streaming. And I keep thinking of streaming more as a marketing tool as opposed to a way to make money. But you know, yeah, what I, do I, I know? think that the rush to stream concerts, people in, their, in a rehearsal room or something, and you doing a live stream, you know, that was because there was nothing else to do. But it's a terrible way to present and to consume music, live yeah. music. It's not the same. And people have put a lot of energy into these things, and there's multi cameras and so forth. But as soon as we can get free of that stuff, we're going to look back and go, I can't believe we did that. It's, a, it's the yeah. wart on the history of live music. I, like, it's not, it's, it's, yeah. it's not sustainable because it's no good. Yeah. Let's put it in the history books. It, it's going to go there on its own. Yeah. Here's a really good one for both of you. What piece of advice would you give young artists today? Do you know how to tend bar? 
<laughs> I thought that was a plan B. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, today wouldn't be different than any other time. You know, it's the, you have to be committed to doing it. And, uh, you know. Yeah. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Yeah. Keep, keep slamming it out there. Don't, uh, Don't get too dismayed if somebody doesn't like your song, write another better song. Um, yeah, don't don't uh, don't shy away. Um, mm -hmm. buy, I, uh, buy a tuner was really good advice I got when I was young. Yeah. Buy a guitar tuner. No, just yeah, be, be well, like, but it's really important. Like, I, I mean, when I mentored a few kids and and that was the first thing and they had a bit of ability and then it's like get a tuner. Yeah. Keep that thing in tune. I, I think um, to, to have a career, you have to be self-propelled. So whether you get good advice or not, you're going to do it, you know? So what advice? You know, just be yourself. Do, do it if you got to do it. You'll figure it out. I, I had um, an experience with, uh, and I, I, God, I wish I could remember his name. He was a keyboard player uh, a few years ago for uh, Sean Mendez. Ah. Yeah. Sean Mendez. He's, and, yeah, he's a keyboard player. And I, I met him when he was in high school, and he was about, I don't know, 15 or whatever age he was right. many years ago. And he he, uh, he came with his mother uh, to a show, and they were talking to me, and he asked me, I, I play keyboard a bit, I, li I like it, what do you think I should do? And I said, you know, just keep doing it. Um, you're in school. Keep going to school. That's great, but that doesn't stop you from playing on the weekends, writing a song at night, do whatever with your keyboard works for you, and but keep playing. Keep playing. That's the, the main thing. Then fast forward to 2016, at the Junos in Calgary, and Sean Mendez is about to go on, and his young keyboard player comes up to me and goes, we're playing the Hollywood Bowl next week. Thank you. What a wonderful compliment. I couldn't believe, I just about. Yeah, it's great. Right? Wow. But it was, it was a 10-minute a conversation that we had, and he remembered that, mm -hmm. and he kept going. And the next thing you know, he's playing with Sean Mendez. And the next so thing great. you know, Sean Mendez is playing. And he's like, thank you. Yeah, uh, I, wow. Yeah, I, I'll take that over money any time. Well, I oh, congratulate almost. you on he, that. He could have well, well, written know. a check, but you know, <laughs> he, he was playing the Hollywood Bowl. But <laughs> <and, laughs> <laughs> <laughs> well, what a lovely compliment. How nice is that? And the fact that he remembered. The fact that he remembered yeah. and felt you know comfortable coming up to me and saying hey remember that time you talked to me and my mom and did you remember him yeah as a kid yeah, yeah. yeah. you remember that story yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so we've all had memorable experiences during our lives mentored or taught by somebody who or what made the greatest impact on your life you obviously made a great impact on this young musicians but who made an impact on yours I had a great band director in high, in high school and uh Jim Prouse, he's deceased now, but he was, um, you know, I think he saw potential in me. And when I went to university and studied music, and my parents were really supportive of it, but they knew, they knew nothing about a career in music. You know, they, they worked in fields other, other. And I think it was because he said, he he legitimized my interest in music, 
So I think that probably changed the trajectory of my life, really, to some degree, you know? So that's the first guy that comes to mind is my school band director. Yeah. This is why I think music programs in schools are really important. Yeah. They're really and, key. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And not, not simply to create professional musicians, but they do all kinds. There's all kinds of wonderful, um, you know, side effects of being in a school band. And, right. Be- because you know. even if you don't become a professional, it's an enjoyment yeah. and it's a, a connection to other people. It's a social that do thing. That, you learn to get that good lasts, at something. Yeah. That lasts a lifetime. You know, it's the same with um, uh, sports for those that are athletically inclined. You don't have to necessarily become Wayne Gretzky, but if you go and p- play, um, uh, you know, my son played fairly high-level basketball. He is never going to be in the NBA, but he met so many people that have returned to his life, have been in his life, that they have a connection. Right. Um, from that sport and mm-hmm. uh, it's the same with music yeah once you start doing it then it's sort of like yeah yeah and it's enjoyable and and uh you don't have to be a pro you everyone's not going to be bruce springsteen and what about you who who i'd like to be think? bruce springsteen <laughs> well you know like, okay. i'd like for you to be bruce springsteen uh, too <laughs> but who, who was who was person who affected you the most that the, Paul Revere and the Raiders through. were a big influence um, I saw how fun that just looked like fun mm-hmm. right they were playing instruments and everyone was smiling and happy and the girls were pretty and and it was like that looks pretty good <laughs> yeah, right yeah. And, and there was and there were of course the Beatles that was sort of like oh my goodness, I really like this. So there were there were the the artists or whatever. But I guess I was fortunate that I was in a house with my dad, who was mm. playing with a lot of people, and a lot of those people were passing by. And he was he was coaching singers, and he was doing demos for Curtis Mayfield, and so these people were coming through the house, and I was five or whatever age when he was doing that stuff and so it's just seeping in i wasn't thinking oh this is great i think i'm going to uh do this it, but it was it was just seeping in and and i had a comfort level uh with it you know yeah, the and, fact oh, that oh and this is where this is another place where jerry and i have massive similarity um <laughs> newfoundland Illinois, you know, they're different places, but you know what the first instrument that I had? Oh, no. The same as his? The same as No, Jeff's? I had oh. a baritone ukulele. Oh. He had a you ukulele. had ukulele. My first instrument was a baritone ukulele <laughs> That's funny. that I tuned to G, D, A, and E like a bass and started copying songs off the radio like sunny yesterday my life was filled. oh heaven i started copying that on my baritone uke i love it and then begging my mom and dad to get me a bass get me a bass i want to do that i can do it on the uke i want a bass That's so okay funny. whose uke was that 
Your dad was a pianist. Yes, I, it was one of his friends huh? gave it to him and said, "Here, give this to your kid. Maybe he might enjoy it or whatever." Wow. And Jeff uh, Jeff's upbringing was extraordinary. I, there was a thing on CBC Radio the other day about a new documentary about Oscar Peterson, mm -hmm. and you know when so we got talking about it, and when any name comes up, I do like to run up by Jeff and say, "By the way, have you ever run into him?" And he's <laughs> Oscar Peterson used to go to their house for Sunday yeah. dinner, right? Yep. I mean, this is an unusual environment, yes. yeah. You know, to be yeah. to be growing up. It's not yeah. like there was. It's not like the Ramones were hanging around the house. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, this this yeah. was just like he, the, the kind of the. the, yeah, the he didn't finest, drink nearly as much. The finest yeah. of well, the best actually, were he, in Jeff's he, house, you know. He and my dad were the only jazz musicians probably on the planet that didn't drink. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, it skips a generation. Yeah, yeah. I made up for them. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, you came out. You grew up with a house full of music. You did. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it kind of, I guess that kind makes of it kind Indian, of natural yeah. osmosis. Because and and ironically, my my dad would ne never teach me piano. I'd say, you know what? I wouldn't mind. Learning, no, no, you don't want that, right? And yeah. I don't have the patience to teach. That's probably why. Yeah, he didn't have yeah. the patience to teach. Yeah, but uh, that's why he taught me driving instead. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm watch not it, watch it, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> two positives to come out of all of this this past two years: one personally, and one professionally. From each of you, two positives. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. To keep it light, I mean, I really love gardening, <laughs> so that's my the personal thing. Bonus, I guess. It's not professional yet, <laughs> but I I did have enough tomatoes. I'm like, I could bring these to a market, you know. <laughs> so I'm that close. I'm right on the cusp. Is that a plan B? I don't know, John. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll trade you. To, I'll trade you tomatoes for honey. Uh, okay, yeah, I have honey. Oh, shoot, or that crop of corn he's That sounds like a disco yeah. Uh, song. Yeah. yeah, I have a jar of honey for him. <laughs> he's okay. got bees on his property. Uh, professional, I don't know. Um, something really positive. I guess the, you know, uh, sort of the construction of the recording equipment in my house. I don't think that I would have gotten to that. Okay. I, you know, been really fortunate to have some really exceptional producer engineer friends who own beautiful studios i don't like to read manuals it's hard enough to play guitar if i'm going to read a manual about how a compressor works i could spend that time doing guitar things i'd rather do that but because of the pandemic i did have enough time to start to get into that a bit so i don't think that would have happened had the pandemic not happened so that's kind of a cool professional yeah, development cool. you know yeah, yeah. Um, my professional development, uh, not, <laughs> not so much. Um, you focused more on the personal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just happened that way. I, I've had a chance to spend more time with my family than I ever did. Um, so that was important and I think it was good for all of us, or at least it was good for me. I, I usually don't ask people, is it good for you? It was good for me, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, no, but I, I think it was, you know, I had some important things. My kids yeah. um, needed me, and 
I was not away. I was there. Uh, My wife probably might have been able to use me, and I was, (laughs) and I was there. It's great to get that that time and not have to try to parse it out and go, well, you know, I'm I'm here for two days. Let's do something. It's like right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, totally. Then, then in these last two years, it's like, hey. I'm at this same couch pretty much every night, mm-hmm. right? You know where to find me. And so I think that was valuable. I think that was valuable. Um, professionally, I think the value for me was not burning myself out. I'm older now, and I, f- I feel like I might have been a bit burned by now if I continued at the yeah. pace that I was at. Now I'm, I'm ready to go back to that pace. I'm good. But um, I'm kind of fresh. My ears are good. I haven't been pounded with amps and drums. Right. The things that I hate the most. <laughs> amps and what? Excuse me. <laughs> well, no, I, I like I like drummers. It's the drums that get <laughs> it's the, the, it's drums the drums that make the noise. <laughs> yeah, this is true. If you could choose one artist or band you would love to perform with or share the stage with, and it can be from your childhood, it can be from now, who would that be? Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. <laughs> We're going together. Okay, Paul yeah. McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> I don't no, think I don't think Paul has any peers. You know, there's yeah. there's the world, and then there's oh, musicians, and, I, and there's Paul. And I, I'm not sure he needs a bass player. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, he plays piano on some. But he plays piano. He plays piano. You can be bass. You know, yeah. Yeah. you're a guitar. You, yeah. you never know. You never know. Someone's got to play with him. Yeah. You know? yeah. Manifest it, and maybe it'll happen. What brings you joy now? Uh, in what way? In what way? Like in what regard? In life, what brings you joy? What makes oh, you geez. happy? You know, playing last night. I love that. That's that's really all of the traveling, like the driving to and from, and the changing of guitar strings, and all of that stuff. It's all worth it when you get on stage and the song starts. You know, that gives me incredible joy. It's endless. And uh, yeah, I've never even enjoyed. Um, practicing as much as i have when we've started to Mm. you know everybody always has oh god we have to practice but when you practice and and even with uh the the few gigs that i've had with uh tom or with burton because there was such a long layoff we had to practice right and we weren't practicing for a long time because you're just playing and you're tight so you're playing enough that hey you show up you know the stuff you play it you're tight but when you take that period off and reworking relearning you know uh and then the rehearsing that we've done it it just uh, it just feels great i never i never um realized how much i actually like even that part of it I think if you're like-minded, as you and I are, you know, if, if I wanted to, to complete some task or have a goal and I do things to pursue it, it's one thing. But if you can have two people that are of the same mind 
It's to the power of 10, you know, that these things get accomplished. So it's sort of exponentially more powerful if you're sharing the goal with somebody who feels the same way about it. If you're in a group of people and one of them doesn't want to rehearse, it can kind of affect the chemistry in such a way that the rehearsal becomes a drag, (laughs) you know. But if everybody's coming from the same place, anything's possible. I think that could apply to any line of work or any mm-hmm. anything you do in life. You know, it's easy to get two people to, to think alike. It's harder when you have a bigger group. Yeah, but uh, but we do, so it's really easy. Uh, uh, it's it just moves on its own, almost. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You two gonna keep on keeping on with this? Because no, it seems to. No, uh, I think that was it last night. <laughs> He says facetiously. <laughs> well, you seem to have got onto something here that's oh, yeah. almost becoming self-propelled in a way. It's really fun. It, it yeah. has a life of its own. Yeah. It, you know, now we'll just see if anybody's interested in hearing us. Well, I think there's a lot of people that have been out at the block company interested in hearing you because if you're selling out night after night, that 40 is now 80 that now becomes – you know, uh, 120. That because if you keep going, it's the crowds are getting. Mm, yeah. People are trying to squeeze in, so it's not just 40. There you go. Yeah. Take the Jeff and Jerry show years. home to Newfoundland. <laughs> Fifteen more. Yeah. Yeah. Fifteen more years, and we're going to be up to ten thousand. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> right. The exactly. Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. The Jeff and Jerry show. Rock at the Hollywood show Bowl. at the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. What? That's all we have, folks. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, this was really fun. Thank you, Pat. Yeah, Yeah. thank you. This interview was recorded at Soundhouse Studio, located on Eastern Avenue in Toronto, Canada. Owned by producer-engineer John Jameson, John is also my co-editor and mixer for all the interviews we record at Soundhouse. He makes us all sound good, and me sound like I know what I'm doing. With respect for the times we live in right now, all appropriate safety measures are taken during any in-person interview recorded at Soundhouse. Many thanks go to Eddie and Quincy Bullen and Paul DeLong for writing and performing the fantastic theme music for the show. And to all of you who have tuned in to listen to what these artists have to say, thank you for taking the time and inviting us into your cars, offices, and homes. I am Pap Live. You're listening to Love the Music. Have a great day and a wonderful evening.